This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody and good day you're listening to the Langpreneur podcast. Thanks for tuning in and uh, it's good that you're here because today we are talking to Mark Pendleton from Coffee Break. So what is Coffee Break? Well, basically 13 years ago, Mark started a podcast called Coffee Break Spanish. And today Coffee Break is available for a large number of languages and the podcasts have become hugely successful. Um, The podcast lessons are being downloaded over two and a half million times every month. And it means that every 0.91 seconds, somebody in the world is downloading a Coffee Break lesson. So in order to serve such a big audience, Mark has built a team of four full-time and 12 part-time employees and additionally worked with freelancers and, uh, and consultants on a regular basis. So business is going well. In today's interview, you're going to learn how Mark built Coffee Break. Um, Mark is also going to share some tips for those of you who want to get started with a language podcast. We're going to talk about monetization, how you can monetize a podcast. And we're also going to talk a bit about the future of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my interview with Mark Pendleton. Enjoy. Mark, welcome to Langpreneur. Really glad to have you on the show here. Delighted to be here. Thank you for asking me, Jan. Now, you build this language learning imperium called Coffee Break Language. Tell us a little bit about what it is exactly, what you do, and you know, give us some numbers. Talk about how many people you serve, how many people download your podcast, because I've seen the numbers and they're really impressive, and I just wanted to give people an idea with who I'm talking here today. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we we built the Coffee Break Languages Empire, as as you say, um, to help people who perhaps have not yet tried to learn a language or who have had a bad experience learning a language or who perhaps don't feel as if they are uh, able to learn a language, learn that language. Um, We started with Coffee Break Spanish and uh, built other languages onto that as as time went on. So we've been around for 13 years. um, And as you see, it's a podcast. So each of the languages that we we produce are are, are podcasts. So we've got Coffee Break French, Spanish, German, Italian and Mandarin Chinese. I think by the time this goes out, we'll also have Swedish to add to the, the mix. And the idea is that with the podcast, you can listen to the podcast and learn a language from scratch. And the the early stages of uh, the the podcasts will will help you pick up the, the the basics of that language. And then as you go on further, you're developing a, a much deeper understanding of the language. So although it's coffee break, although it's friendly and approachable, it's also something that allows you to, to build in progression and really develop the, a, a, a deep sense of understanding of, of the language. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some numbers, like how many people down at your lessons? Um, well, it obviously varies across the, the different languages, but as a, as a company, we produce, uh, the, the, well, we, we deliver over two and a half million 
lessons per month to learners around the world. So that's we've actually done the maths and and we've boiled this down to someone somewhere around the world downloads a Coffee Break Language podcast every 0.91 seconds. Um, so, 0.91 seconds. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, so yeah, mm. there's quite a lot of downloads and quite a lot of streams. So Coffee Break is huge and we're going to talk a little bit about how, or you, we're going to talk more about how you build Coffee Break uh, later, but let's first take a look um, at the person behind the brand and that's you Mark. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, like when, uh, how did you get into languages and how did you, I think you worked as a teacher, how did you make that transition from being a teacher to, um, to Coffee Break basically? Yeah, absolutely. I started my professional life as a, as a secondary school teacher here in Scotland. Um, I was teaching French and Spanish in a school in the south side of Glasgow, which I absolutely adored. I loved um, sharing my enthusiasm for, for language learning with young people. Um, and then I got into, I, I was involved in, in well, I, I led a project across different schools where we were trying to combine language learning with technology. Um, and uh, through that project, that's where I began to see the possibilities of, of podcasting because we're, we're talking, well, we started the project in 2000. Podcasting kind of started in 2005. And in 2005, we, we started our, our first podcast for the project. And I immediately saw that podcasting as a language learning uh, resource was was just fantastic because it was the perfect uh, medium through which someone can easily learn a language. So um, in 2006, um, while the funding for that project from the Scottish government was running out, um, I was going to be moving on to a more kind of general education role rather than focusing solely on languages. And so I decided I wanted to do something that would keep me involved in, in teaching languages. And so we decided to, to start a, a Spanish podcast. And it so happened that a colleague's uh, daughter wanted to learn. So on our podcast, we always have a learner and a teacher. So Cara, my colleague's daughter, wanted to learn. So she became the learner on uh, on the podcast. And at the beginning, it was, it was an idea. It was just something that um, was going to... Uh, to keep me involved in, in language teaching, I wanted to still teach the language. I, I love that process of teaching the language. Um, and as the teacher on the podcast, um, it was very much a, a, just a, a fun project. At that stage, I don't think I ever thought that this would at one, day, at one point be my full-time job and indeed that I would build a team and so on. I, I didn't really start it in those days. And perhaps, perhaps because of the the... The, the the sort of availability of internet and and um, the, the the kind of resources that people have access to now didn't really exist as widely back then and therefore maybe there was less of an entrepreneurial mindset in, in my head at that stage um, than there perhaps is more more widely now hmm. so so what was your, so when you started coffee break were you still working as a teacher full time or was this like a project that you did on the side. Yeah, it, it was very much a, a project on, on the side. I was working not quite as a teacher full-time, but as the sort of facilitator of this project, um, working across different schools. So I was still involved in teaching, but um, I would do that pretty much during the day. And then in the evening, one evening a week, we we recorded a, an episode of, pod, of Coffee Break Spanish. Um, about a year and a half, two years, well, about a year later, I went down to three days a week on my full-time job, as it were, and then spent two days a week starting to develop Coffee Break. And then by 2008, I went full-time on uh, Coffee Break. So it was a full two, two years, two and a bit years before I did go full-time on Coffee Break. 
Yeah. I mean, do you have any tips for people who are starting a podcast? Obviously, we are doing we are doing a podcast here right now. But what were th- some of the things that you did in the beginning that you think contributed to your success? Like, how do you how did listeners find you at the very beginning? Because there were not pod- podcasts weren't as popular as they are now, right? So, how do you get the word out there? How could people find you? At the beginning, in in one sense, we were quite lucky in that when we first put up uh, Coffee Break Spanish on iTunes, um, there were no other beginner podcasts for Spanish. Obviously, that's very, very different now. There are many, many podcasts around there. I think what we did that was perhaps different from some of the other uh, things that were out there at the time was we kept going because lots of people have ideas about starting something and they try it and maybe they don't get enough traction in the beginning and they think, bah, maybe this is not the right way to go. But if we had done that, obviously, we we wouldn't be where we are now. Um, and I think it's very important to stick to it and to turn up and to 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 keep recording, keep uh, developing something, um, because the traction will come after a time. Um, at the Again, in those days, we were talking almost pre-Facebook and, and pre-social media and so on. So there, it wasn't, those resources didn't exist. We weren't able to to use Instagram to to promote our podcast and all that kind of thing. So it, it, it was it was quite a different world in a sense. Um, and the the exposure that we got in the early days on, on iTunes obviously was very beneficial. It allowed us to get quite a firm foothold in, in where we were and in, in positioning on, on iTunes. Um, and then, obviously, as time went on with other uh, with other podcasts, directories and, and so on. Um, but it was quite organic for us um, back then because we didn't necessarily have as, as, as well the access to social media and so on that, that's available now. Yeah, well, it's really great. So it was 100% organic traffic in the beginning. Um, yeah. When did you actually see that your podcast was getting traction and that you could turn this into a business how do you make the transition from having a podcast to having a business um i think what we realized was um that the, the mindset really had to change quite early because we were very much at the beginning doing this as a project it was just a bit of fun um as i say it was to kind of keep me involved in, in languages but then we we sort of well when we saw people were downloading it people started to ask for can we get lesson notes can we get transcripts or, or something like that so we we put together some some lesson notes for the the early podcasts and uh, i think at the time we sold them like for a dollar or something like that for per episode and people started buying and i couldn't believe that people were buying these um these notes that we were we were making um, and at that point, we thought, well, yeah, maybe this is something that we could at least fund ourselves. We can, you know, I had invested in some some relatively decent microphones at the time. Um, and that was, you know, something that, that I had to invest in. It was my own money and, and so on. So it, it, it definitely was something we began to see as maybe we could at least fund ourselves, fund the hosting, fund the, 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 the project, as it were, not even thinking about paying anyone or anything like that at that stage. Um but when people started buying, then we thought, well, okay, we could maybe turn this into some kind of membership. We could turn it into um, maybe we could give them extra materials and so on. And we started to build a, a, a freemium model um, where we were giving the podcast away for free. And then if people wanted extra materials, they had to to pay for that. And back then we did it on the basis of a membership. And maybe now looking back, I think 
that would have been fine if we'd only ever looked at Spanish and we were going to have to create Spanish content all the time in order to feed that membership. Because I think the difficulty with, with memberships is that it's very... It's great if you can constantly produce new content to make the membership worthwhile for the for the members, because then obviously you're going to get a, a larger drop off if people don't continue to stick to that. So we kind of got to the stage where we wanted. I think we had recorded probably around fifty or sixty episodes of of the podcast, and at that stage we thought this is uh, Coffee Break Spanish still. And at that stage, we thought, okay, what we need to do is maybe make this into seasons and or, or batches of, of content. And we decided to, to draw that line at, at 40 episodes. So we made season one, lessons one to 40, and then season two at that stage was lessons 41 to 80. Um, because at that stage, we also wanted to bring on French. And there was no way, just as it was ultimately just me and, and the people that um, were, were the learners on the, the, the podcast. Um, so... I was doing all of this myself, producing all the additional materials, all the notes and so on. And it's just not sustainable to do that across multiple uh, podcasts. So we, we decided eventually to to move from a model of um, selling memberships. Um, and this was probably a year into it or something like that. And go for a, a, a single price for um, the individual course, so the individual season, if you like, the 40 lessons, that had a single price on it. At the time, we did silver, bronze, and gold levels and so on, where people could get more or less uh, content than, than they wanted, but we eventually moved away from that as well and just had one price for the 40 lessons um, and then built out the seasons that way. So it was more manageable for us. We were able to say, well, okay, we know that a season of Coffee Break um, takes that amount of time to produce, and we'll bring in that amount of revenue based on uh, the the, you know, the number of people buying it. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about what like the sales funnel would look like all in the all the way in the beginning, because there was no there was no YouTube ads, there was no Facebook retargeting. Um, did you send everyone to your website, or what was like the call to action on your podcast? In every episode of the podcast from day one, we've always said, if you want to take your learning to you know the, the next level or whatever cheesy phrase that you, you want to include, um, then go to coffeebreakfrench.com or coffeebreakspanish.com. So we've always had a, a, a place where people can go to that. The, the eventual destination of that has changed over the years. And, and we've we've sometimes sent them then to, to the membership site. Sometimes we've sent them to the product pages. And now, obviously, we send them to a landing page that, that will uh, explain more about what the premium offerings are. Um, so from the beginning, I guess at the beginning we, you know, we were talking about things on on the podcast like, you know, if you want the flashcards and we had video flashcards, but mm -hmm. that was in the days before really video, like the the the, the bandwidth that people had available didn't allow them to download videos easily and mm. and uh, you know it wasn't the case that we could put things in YouTube back then and so on so um, we were really looking at different ways of of expanding what we were doing and uh, as you see this was before sending people through through sort of funnels that, that would take them to, to different mm. places but what we wanted to to do was get people coming to one particular place yeah. I think in retrospect perhaps we should have been more careful at the very beginning about how we spoke about the, the, the premium offering. Mm -hmm. Because over the years, it's very difficult to go back and you know edit out three seconds of a, of, of a podcast where we've maybe referred to a product or mm -hmm. a, an ancillary product that no longer exists. I see, yeah. 
so that that's been a little bit of a challenge sometimes we, we get an email the other day you know mark talked about the flashcards can you point me in the direction of these flashcards but those flashcards are actually just our video versions now so it's a little difficult to um you know to to track track back 13 years and, and reword what you might have said yeah. about something that you know it, it, about a technology that then didn't exist yeah when do yeah. you make the transition of working as a teacher to doing um a coffee break spanish at the time full time I I made that um, in 2008, so two years after we started, mm-hmm. um, and it was a scary moment. It was mm-hmm. something that we talked about with my wife, very very in, in great detail, and looked at all the possible ramifications of that. But I think um, having people around me that that believed in what we were doing uh, very much helped. Um, and by that stage, we also had customers, people who were coming back, who were looking for the next level. So we were convinced that people did want to continue to develop that. At the time, of course, it was just still me and, and my wife helping. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that was those were the early days um, in uh, 2008. What does uh, the Coffee Break team look like these days? Because you have podcasts for, I don't know, how many languages? Like eight or something? Maybe We more? have um, currently seven coffee break podcasts yeah um so french german spanish italian uh, mandarin swedish and we've started working on a coffee break english for spanish speakers wow. um so of those seven podcasts we also have additional uh, shorter courses in 31 languages from arabic to zulu um <laughs> so um, everything from a to z um the so do you have the, like the, a person responsible for each language or are you running all the projects or you you work with native speakers are these working as freelancers or are these really on your team how do you how do you run yep. the team so if I, if I explain briefly what we do with the, the smaller courses, those are very much freelancers or, or teachers or native speakers that we work with for a very short time to produce the course and then that course is finished. So those are our sort of simple projects. We come across a Basque speaker in Glasgow and we work with that person to produce a short course and then that's done. Mm-hmm. With the Coffee Break courses, it's very different because with the Coffee Break courses, in addition to the actual um, content of the, the course itself, we also want to cr- produce social content around that so uh, that the people who are learning with the podcast and maybe buying the course can then go and practice that on Facebook or on Twitter mm-hmm. or on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we, we we constantly need uh, new social content associated with the course, both for beginners. So someone might come to Spanish today and might be listening to podcasts that, that were produced in 2006, mm-hmm. but we still need to, ha- to, to provide beginners content for practice uh, with them on, on social media. Um, so in in addition to developing the high level the 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 more advanced content as well so it's it's a it's a balance but we do have um different people who are leading up the the development of the different languages and i have a, a sort of a, a, an overseeing role on that i i manage everyone um mm-hmm. but i also I'm still very much involved in the actual delivery of the podcast, so the yeah. the teaching, or in some cases, I'm the learner. You, you are students in your own lessons, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So in, in French, French, Spanish, and Italian, I'm, I'm I have a teaching role. Oh, and, teacher, uh, Chinese, uh, German, and Swedish, I have a learning role. Okay. Um, the the advantage of that is that it means that there is a consistency throughout, um, and 
even if the the teacher who like our, our Swedish teacher is brand new to the team she is fantastic and and she is learning the coffee break style as we go but because I'm involved in in the the lessons as the learner um, rather than sort of sitting outside the booth and and producing it um, I can design the learning and, and make sure it still fits with the coffee break style um, throughout. So I, I've got a, a hands-on role in, in all of the shows um, which I quite like having I'm a bit of a control freak I guess. Yeah. How do you, you know we have like many people listening to this podcast and they want to create language courses themselves they have an audience that wants to buy from them. How do you find like a good native speaker to create all these courses with? Do you do that online or not sure, but maybe you might record everything in person, right? So you need to find people in your city. How do you how do you go about that? Um, we do the vast majority of of our recording in person in our uh, in our location in, in Glasgow. We have a studio. We've got an audio studio and a video studio in Glasgow mm-hmm. beside our offices, and uh, everything that we record is done there. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, we have worked with people remotely a little bit from time to time for sort of segments of the podcast, and that's been great. Um, but we definitely prefer having people in the same location for recording it. it yeah. I think you can interact with people uh, in a different way when you're in the same room. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, it facilitates the, the, the way in which we, we record. Um, finding those people can sometimes be quite difficult. Um, I guess over the years through my teaching background and being involved in, in different organisations that uh, that promote language learning and so on, um, having good contacts at the local universities um, and also some of our, con- our colleagues, mm-hmm. for example our, our Italian colleague Francesca, she works two days with us but she works three days at, at Strathclyde University so she's mm-hmm. got a good network there. And we can use that network both in terms of finding native speakers to be our our co-hosts, but also native speakers to help us with the social side of things, so the, the producing the social media content. So I think it's about trying to to build a network around okay. yourself yeah. um, and and attending the events. Maybe, for example, there's a, a local language school in Glasgow who have um, you know open evenings at the beginning of the year and that kind of thing. So we, some, someone from the team tries to go along to that and, mm. and makes the connections and so on. But there, there's actually, I guess, being in Glasgow, perhaps because there are fewer uh, language schools, there are fewer um, organisations and, and meetups and so on, perhaps than the likes of London or, or yeah. Amsterdam or Berlin, um, that actually is helpful because it means that the people who <laughs> the same people go along to all of these events and we've, we've got quite a good um community and and i was speaking to to a friend is our co-host on on our season three of sorry our yeah this coffee big spanish magazine fernanda who works at uh, live language in glasgow so she's got all the connections of her teachers there yeah. and she was saying oh, i've got a new icelandic teacher and I'm like, oh interesting <laughs> you know to, yeah. to to build these connections um so yeah, it's it's about people. It's about about communicating and and about being aware about who's around you. Um, so yeah, we do do everything in person rather mm-hmm. than trying to find people on iTalki or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, that works. I I, I like it that way. Um, perhaps it's a little limiting in the sense that you know if if we are going to record a new course, we need that person to be in Glasgow and. Uh, Maybe that means we need to pay for that person to come to Glasgow or, or something like that. Um, but I think it's worth it in, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about, a bit more about um, 
growing an audience around learning a particular language through podcasts. What do you think are the big benefits of teaching a language through podcasts? First of all, um, again, thinking back to where we were coming from, mm -hmm. um, back in the mid-2000s, um, the main way of getting audio content was on CDs and, and, and you know, actual physical media. Yeah. And every bit of physical media has a limit. So a CD has to be 54 minutes. You can't really, you could push it to 60, but um, you, you're limited with the amount of time. So if you pick up a, a traditional language book with a CD, as in the old days, mm -hmm. then you wouldn't be getting all of the content that you might want on that CD. Because what we feel is important is that you don't just get the conversation, but you get the explanation of the conversation and the discussion of the conversation and the yeah. learning that happens about that conversation. Mm -hmm. So with a podcast, you're completely unlimited as to as to how much time you want to put in and the other thing that we always do um, and this is definitely a, a tip for anyone creating a language learning podcast but we include thinking time within our, our lessons so we'll ask a question and rather than asking the listener who's driving along or running along at the gym or whatever to pause the recording we leave 10 seconds and yeah. that gives the listener time to think through what the answer might be and then we explain yeah. what the answer would be. So, um, really make that's it more uh, interactive this way. Absolutely, yeah. And at, at the beginning, you know, when, when we were doing that and then we'd say, you know, bravo, super, yeah. win or whatever, uh, we, we would get messages from people saying, can you really hear me and all this kind of thing. So, um, <laughs> so you really give them the feeling that you are like the instructor with them in their car or wherever, wherever they are. Yeah, and that's very much the, the feedback that we get you know we get emails every day saying you know, i feel like you're my teacher you're my you're my friend you're yeah. you're the person i'm having a coffee break with mm. um and that's obviously what we're aiming for so we're happy with that yeah i guess another benefit of podcasts is that people can listen to it wherever they are right for example when they are driving and you know some people they like video courses um flash cars going through pdfs but i guess podcasts just like we are doing now i mean people can listen to this while they are driving or I don't know, walking on the street waiting for somebody. So mm -hmm. one of the benefits there. Do you have any of any tips for people who want to grow a podcast? Like are there any strategies that you've used, for example, appearing on other people's podcasts? Or did Coffee Break just grow grow organically through all the traffic um, through iTunes? For us, yes, we, we did grow Correct. organically through um, through iTunes. We didn't really do I don't really think we've we've done any of the idea of appearing on other people's podcasts other than in this kind of podcast where we're talking about the yeah. business side of things or the, the educational side of things. But we didn't really start to, um, you know, do partnerships with Ben and Marina from Notes in Spanish or something like that. I know mm -hmm. Ben and Marina, they're lovely and we've, we've done other things with them. But, um, you know, we've not specifically linked together with other podcasts to uh, to do that. But again, that's maybe because we started at a different time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there is more of a sense of, of sharing and, and benefiting from other people's uh, audiences and, and sharing your audience with that other person as well. I think there is more of that now. Um, so we, we did grow quite organically, but I think what we've what we've done maybe to to explain a, a, as well to to the listeners mm. um we have always worked in seasons so for example with with coffee Break french um we're just about to launch uh, season five and uh, there have been times when perhaps 18 months have gone past when there's been no new coffee Break french content mm. um 
but there is this massive back catalogue of content that someone yeah. coming to it today can still access. Yeah. Um, so I think it's okay to to leave spaces within seasons from you know from one season to the next. You will obviously um, create a desire among your listeners to to want the next season, mm-hmm. and there comes a point where maybe they'll get fed up and, and move on to something else or mm-hmm. move on to another uh, another source. But um, we've always found that when we do launch that other season, um, then people are very very delighted to have have new you content from us. Scarcity, right? You make them wait, and then yeah. when there's that new episode out there, everyone goes wants to go and check it out. Yeah, exactly. We also do something else just within the, the seasons side of things because normally our seasons are 40 lessons and 40 lessons is a, is a, a lot to take on board in terms of the, the production, the post-production, the, the ancillary materials that we create to go along with those for our courses. Um, so we do shorter seasons and we've introduced, for example, the, the Coffee Bake magazine. Um, so these are 10 lesson seasons of uh, of content that's aimed at an intermediate level, um, intermediate to advanced, really. So it's the kind of thing that someone who perhaps has done one season or two seasons can can it tides them over as it were while they're waiting for the, the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something else that we've done that's that's gone down well. There are some people who prefer, I think, the the meatiness of of a full forty lesson season. Um, but if it's the choice between you're getting nothing for two years or you're getting a, a shorter uh, season, then I think most people will take the shorter season because it's still the same style. Yeah, you started out coffee break with uh, with Spanish coffee break Spanish. Then at a certain point, you decided to expand into other languages as well. Um, why and when do you think it's the right time for someone who has a language course, has one language that's working really well, and um, to move on to, to the next language? And this is actually a question I have myself because, you know, running Language Boost, we have many language courses and we are all passionate about languages and we want to create courses for as many languages as possible. Um, do you feel that maybe this passion for languages sometimes influences the way you, you, you make business decisions or how do you go about this? Yeah, um, I think the, the the decision to move from one language to another, first of all, depends on people. It depends on having the people who will um, who will s- believe in the same uh, strategies that you're using in your first course um, in order to develop that second course. Because there, there, for me, there's no point in having if you if you've built a, a German course and you want to build a, a Spanish course, there's no point in building a different Spanish course because people if if you've if you've confirmed that the the people who like the the German course um, if that format works if that style works then. That's your style and your brand style. So your brand should then be reflected in another language equally. Um, so it's about finding the right person. Um, in our case, um, I, I am very interested in learning lots of languages personally. So um, moving from one language to another, um, first of all, I'm involved in that. Therefore, the style is going to be the same. We we, we build courses that are very much similar um, across different languages. So we use similar uh, structures. Obviously, different languages present different issues at, at different stages. So we have to take that on board. But in terms of the actual um, structure and, and the type of language and the type of experience that we're, we're providing, it is the same across all languages. Um, I think moving from... Uh, you know, deciding which language to go for is a very difficult thing. And I think there are two things that uh, play here. First of all, 
um, there's a lot. There's a, there's a huge amount of really good stuff out there for lots of languages. There are other languages which are less well served, and um, it's it's difficult sometimes just to decide. Okay, are we going to go with this massive world language that everyone wants to learn? Or are we going to go with something that actually not that many people want to learn, but the people who do want to learn it are really, really passionate about it, and there's not a lot of stuff out there. That is perhaps where we've gone with Swedish, in the sense that there, there's, you know, the, the, the number of people wanting to learn Swedish are obviously smaller than the number of people wanting to learn Spanish or Arabic or, or, or whatever. Um, so we've we've gone with Swedish because, first of all, I've got a personal interest in, in that. There's the passion there. Um, we've got the people, um, and those people are the, the right people for that, that role. Um, and we believe that the initial um, feedback on, on us launching a Swedish course has been fantastic. So people are really excited about that. And I think also some people... And, and this is, again, maybe interesting for, for the listeners to, to, to realize that some people who are perhaps German learners with us or Spanish learners or Italian learners, and they've had no previous desire to learn the new language that we are doing, Swedish in this case, they will end up learning Swedish with us because they believe in the Coffee Break method. They believe in what we can help them do. And that might introduce them to a new country, a new language, a new culture, and then they can put that to practice when they, they travel to, to Sweden or Finland. Yeah, other ways... The Swedish-speaking that... part of Finland, at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, all the way in the West, right? Yeah. <laughs> other ways where you... Um, other ways to cross-promote these channels, because I can imagine, like, once you start this new channel, let's say for a Coffee Break uh, Swedish, this new podcast... Do you actively promote it, promote it, or how do you make sure that you get traction from the beginning? Um, so when we start a new language, um, the first area that we go to is social media and try to to develop um, the content on social media so that there's somewhere for people to to share, to to uh, feedback and and so on. Um, we do do a little bit of advertising, if you like, across the other podcasts. So, for example, in, we would put a, an, an advert, um, an advert is maybe the wrong word, but a little snippet in our French podcast in which we would speak in French about learning Swedish, for example. Um, so that's, we we actually, we do do advertising in, in all of our podcasts. We use uh, dynamic insertion for the, the advertising. So we're able to work with uh, ACAST, our, our podcast hosts, to uh, put in, you know, for example, we can say right for the month of January, we would like uh, this ad to run in all of our Coffee Break French uh, shows. So anyone coming to Coffee Break French during the month of January would hear the, you know, voulez-vous apprendre le suédois? And, and you know, we, we've got a little, little segment there where we can send people towards the, the, the new podcast. Ultimately, though, we are talking about separate verticals and, and the chances of someone who is learning French being interested in learning Swedish also, or Chinese or whatever other language, is perhaps smaller, despite what I've said about uh, some people taking on that new language just because we're doing it, because we're doing it in this sort of coffee break style. Um, so it, it's in this stage, we're looking more at looking outwards to see what other uh, Swedish accounts there are on Instagram, that kind of thing, um, and, and trying to, to look at those audiences. But I think we we very much 
we we do not spam. We do not go to other you know Facebook accounts and, and say, by the way, we've got a Swedish podcast. That's just not something we've ever done and we would never want to do. Um, we would use Facebook targeted ads and that kind of thing um, in order to, to attract a new audience in. But the other thing is that I, I think in time, we've learned to be quite patient about developing the audience because you're not going to develop a, a huge audience with one lesson of Swedish. So it's going to be several months before you've got enough content there in order to drive people to that. And that's the point that we start doing a little bit more pushing. Um, so like with Chinese, for example, when we launched Chinese, um, I think it was the beginning of 2017, and at that point, well, first of all, there's loads of really good Chinese content out there. We wanted to do a Chinese podcast. We had a great person to work with for it. And we launched it, but it was very quiet. It wasn't like massive launch. Whoa, we're doing a new podcast here. You come and find us. Because when people came to find us and there was one episode there or two episodes there, it's like, oh, yeah, I need the next bit. I need the next bit. So it's only after you've got a little bit of content there that it's worth really starting to, to shout from the rooftops about what you've got. Yeah. Do you like, do you want to share some of the biggest lessons that you have learned building Coffee Break over the last, how many years? 15 years? 13 um, years at this 13 stage. 13 years. Of, you've been doing this for a, a long time. Uh, do you have any tips for people who want to build a podcast or course creation, sell language products? What are like some of the key lessons that, that you have learned over the last 13 years? I would say the first thing in all of this is originality. Be original because when you are creating something, if, if you are listening to Coffee Break and you, you think, yeah, this is a, a great podcast, I want to do this for um, Farsi or for Turkish or, or something like that. Don't build a Coffee Break Turkish. Don't build a Tea Break Turkish. Find something else that is very much your thing. And I think that's something that, that we've seen over the years. We've seen lots and lots of kind of copycat things, which perhaps last for six lessons and then people get bored and they go off and do something else. And that, in a sense, damages us if, if people have called it tea break something or other. Um, <laughs> tea break. <laughs> yeah, indeed. That's not very original, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would definitely say be original and try to find what it is that you are 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 good at and try to find the, the hook, the niche that you want to, or the niche, depending on who's listening to this, um, that, that you want to develop. Um I think also uh, another thing that we've we've encountered again, what I was saying earlier about this idea of talking about um, you know the latest technology. We're trying out something new. Um, we are going on this. You know, if 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 we were to talk about TikTok or something like that, and you know, we're going to set up. We're not, but we're going to set up a coffee break TikTok uh, account. There is a chance that in five, ten, fifteen years' time. Nobody will be using TikTok. Maybe everyone will be using TikTok, but there are things that have happened in the past where we thought, yeah, let's try this. And we've talked about it on the show, but that's in there for life. That's in there for a long time. So rather than having to go back and think, where was it we talked about, you know, new technology X um, and it was in lesson 17 of season three. And so we need to go and find that and take it out. So I think try to future-proof from the beginning, try to be generic, try to have one landing page or one website URL that you're directing people to. And then if you want to try something new, then you can put it there. But you don't necessarily talk about that in, in your show. One other thing is plan for growth. 
Um, so if if way back at the beginning, um, the last thing we were thinking about was advertising. Um, we we held off from using any kind of ads in our shows for oh, probably about 11, 10, 10 years maybe. Um, and only then we, we we had lots of traction obviously at that stage and, and we were able to start uh, attracting advertisers and we worked with the Acast as, as, a, as a company to, to add those uh, to add those ads. Um, but had we thought about this at the beginning, we could probably have constructed our shows in a way that there was a natural potential mid-roll ad break. Um, so what we do, what we've done recently, actually, our team has, has done this recently, um, we have gone through every single episode in our back catalogue, and that's hundreds and hundreds of episodes, and inserted a, a, a natural sounding, okay, we're going to take a break just now, and we'll be back in just a moment. And then, crucially, we put in an advert for our own stuff. So we add the the, the, the advert for the premium version or the, the online course for Coffee Break French or, or whatever. And then there's a point at which there's a potential mid-roll ad that can come in from an external uh, sponsor, which would be dynamically inserted. And then a little jingle again and welcome back. Okay, we're going to go on with the show. So we've had to add that retrospectively, which was a huge amount of work to do. But it was, if, if we'd thought about that from the beginning, which we've been doing obviously since we started uh, Italian and, and, and Chinese, um, if we'd thought about that from the beginning, it would definitely have, have saved us uh, some work. So in terms of structure, if someone's thinking about putting together a podcast, even if they've got zero interest or zero desire to add uh, advertising at this stage, perhaps it's worth thinking about the structure of the podcast and having a kind of natural break halfway through, rather than just throwing in an ad at a random point of a conversation. That's one of my pet hates when you're listening to a podcast and there's no okay, we're going to take a break. It's just straight into an ad and that completely destroys the, the, the listening for me. Yeah, well, that's a very good piece of advice that you, that you gave here. So if you're starting out with a podcast, actually just like we're doing here, here now here with, with Langpreneur, make sure that we should actually make sure that we have a, like a, a point where we can actually yeah. break, put in an ad and maybe later on we don't have any intentions to do this now, but that's definitely something to take into account. Are there any other ways that you monetize your podcast? So one way you monetize a podcast is sending people to your website and sell your own courses. Um, you, also, um, you also put in third-party ads. Are there any other ways you, you monetize what you do? That is the the main uh, the main two sources. So the the, the advertising um, through Acast, as I said, um, and then pointing people to our own courses, so our own products. Um, we have very very small amount of merchandise and things like that. So there are those kind of things, um, and then obviously things like you know advertising on on. Uh, we accept ads on our YouTube channel, so mm. um, other kind of. Uh, content that we're putting out yeah. um, there's advertising on that um, and then we, we we do other things like we do some uh, live events we do we attend shows and things like that where we put on small uh, meetups or that kind of thing so there's a little bit of uh, that that's something we're developing more of um, but yeah that's those are the main ones Mm -hmm. Cool. And I have a final question, and this is more a general question about, about podcasting. Where do you think this podcast thing is going? Do you think we are still in the beginning stages, or have you thought about this? What, what do you think is the future of Coffee Break going to be? Are you going to keep focusing on podcasts because that's where the future is going to be, or 
you're thinking about some you know changes that might happen in the industry maybe moving towards other platforms yeah we've been podcasting for well I've, I've personally been podcasting for 14 years um and i think what has been quite interesting is the fact that even just in these past year couple of years podcasts are so much more mainstream everyone virtually everyone knows what a what a podcast is people are used to listening to podcasts the young people are used to listening podcasts which i think is fantastic because it's a it's a brilliant medium to to attract young people to learning and and to uh, to to finding out new things that they don't necessarily get access to in other ways so in on the one hand i don't necessarily think podcasting is going anywhere anytime soon other than just building uh, uh, more of an audience and, and um, attracting more listeners. Um, I think there is a chance that there might be more paid for content. I think more paid for content will become like, you know, sort of Netflix style where you're getting access to lots of things. Um, and we're seeing a little bit of that in the industry at the moment where perhaps certain podcasts are being bought by major um, content companies. And therefore, if you want to access that podcast, a very popular podcast, then you need to do it through um, company X or company Y. So I think there's probably going to be a little more of that. But I think that's also going to mean that there will be more systems in place to allow you to deliver um, paid for content or um, protected content within a, you know, even in, I mean, that, that's even happening in the past, you know, the past couple of weeks. Um, Acast, for example, the, the company that we work with have launched a new product that allows uh, people to to sell or to put a, a paywall around uh, certain content. Um, so, you know, these, these are developments that are happening. I think that's definitely going to be an area that's that's going to be developing further. What we are trying to do um, is, again, it's about future-proofing in a sense. I think in general, as new generations grow up and, and uh, become the, the consumers, the adult consumers of tomorrow, attention spans are going to go down. I think generally people um, are, are looking for shorter form content. But if you're on a long journey, if you're running for 30 minutes at the gym or whatever, you don't want to be footering about and trying to get the next episode or you don't want to have to create a playlist beforehand. So I, think, I still think there's going to be room for the longer form uh, audio content, much more so than longer form video content, personally, that's my, my opinion. Um, so I, I think whether it's called podcasts, whether it's called, uh, you know, whether we still think of it as podcasts, I don't think audio content is going anywhere anytime soon. And so what we try to do is make the audio content, but also we've got video versions of that audio content, not video versions of me sitting in the studio and my colleagues or, or, or whatever, but video versions where we've got the words on screen and we can use those uh, those words well, we can use the the, the 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 ability to have those words on screen as a premium element, and that can be something that we can sell or in the future monetize differently um, by having that content available. So, yeah, I, I don't think podcasting is going anywhere. It might be called something different in 10, 15, 20 years from now, but long-form audio content for learning is still going to be every bit as valuable, hopefully, I'm touching wood here, um, in, in a few years' time. Hmm. Well, Mark, thank you very much for sharing a bit about your vision of the future of podcasting. I guess the most important lesson here that people will always consume audio, right? And 
it can be delivered in a podcast or maybe in a kind of Netflix, but then for audio lessons or maybe in shorter snippets that are delivered on social media platforms. For, for those people with a shorter attention span, the power of audio learning is well, always going to be there, I think, at least for the next uh, 10, 20 years. So I think we are Hopefully. doing something good here with the podcast that we are running. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, Mark, thank you very much for the interview. If people want to learn more about you or about Coffee Break, where can they go? If they head to coffeebreaklanguages.com, um, they'll find everything they need to do to, to know about, about what we do. Um, and you can find me on, on various social medias um, at Mark Pendleton. Mm-hmm. So here we Make go. sure to check out the links. I will include all the links in the show notes. And yeah, Mark, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, yeah, see you soon. Thank you, Bill. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.